the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're a Christ follower, would you spend a couple minutes asking God to give you His eyes? People around you maybe be going through stresses that you don't even imagine, that you would see them with tenderness and grace and mercy. You're going to come across couples that may be on the edge of ending a marriage and nobody knows it. Would you ask God to help you see with eyes of love? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. The next characters we see are the priest and the Levite. The priest would have been an Aaronic priest. That means he was a descendant of Aaron. The Levite would have been a descendant of Levi. And they were religious leaders in the temple. They were likely coming home after a long week of work. They didn't abuse. You know what they did? They avoided. Now, here's the truth. We're hanging out here in church. Probably most of us don't relate to the abuser. A lot of us can relate to the avoider. The avoiders didn't do bad they just didn't take the opportunity to do good. They, they saw what was going on around them, but they didn't see as Jesus saw. They didn't see the world through the lens of God's goodness. And so they didn't want to make the difference that he created them to make. And so they went on their way. Are, are you an avoider? Are, are there things, maybe even in, in the context of the life of the church, that you're avoiding doing for some reason, some excuse that you've made, some justification in your life. But then there's this third character. He's a good Samaritan. And it's kind of funny that Jesus would do this. Jesus pitted the Samaritan, someone the Jews hated, as the person who would come along and help this Jewish man who was stranded. Jesus had a way of kind of turning the card upside down, didn't he? And making us be confused with societal norms. And so the good Samaritan, he didn't abuse or he didn't avoid. He assisted the person in need. Now why did he do that? I believe it's because of what he believed. I believe what Jesus was trying to say is when you believe the way God wants you to believe, you see the world differently. What did he believe? Well, I think he believed in the importance of that great command, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. See, there's not only three kinds of people, abusers, avoiders, and those who assist. I think there's three belief systems that we see in this story. 
So, so maybe you can find yourself in one of these belief systems. First is the thief. Now, what was the belief system of the thief? The thief believed what's yours is mine, and I can take it, right? That's what a thief does. There's no barrier. There's no bounds because you say that's yours. If I want it, I can have it. And there are different ways to experience that, different from just going to a store and shoplifting. You can do that as it relates to someone's personal value and personal worth. You can do that in the way that you treat people. You can do that in a family. You can do that at a workplace. It's, It's an understanding that there aren't boundaries, that it's all about me. Their favorite song is, I get it my way. And you think the world revolves around you. So you you may not be an abuser, but if you're someone who's always a taker, then the truth is you're resembling the thief in this story in your belief system. But wait a second, I deserve it. I can work, I can grab it, I can get what I want. No, not if it's not yours. But then there's a second category in belief system too. And the priest and the Levite, their belief system was, what's mine is mine, and I can take it. I can keep it. If it's mine, what right do you have? Here's their theme. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, right? Work hard for it. Pull yourself up for the bootstraps and don't let anybody else take it from you. Spiritually, we know that's false thinking. Why? What does the Bible say about everything that's good for us? Where does it come from? Yeah, in case you didn't know that, that's what it says. Every good and perfect gift is flowing down from above. God's the giver. If there's anything good about you, if there's anything good about me, it's not us. It's all God. And so this religious leader, this priest and this Levite, my goodness, they still had the wrong mentality. Then comes the good Samaritan and he believed right because he believed what's mine is yours and I can give it. They lived with loose hands. Do you walk through life holding things loosely? Have you understood that truth that you'll never miss anything that you give away? Have you learned to be a generous person? Because when you do, that kind of belief changes the way you see everything. It changes your sight. That's why we say, when you believe it, you can see it. Say that with me. When you believe it, you can see it. Let's say it one more time. When you believe it, you can see it. Do you notice the story in verse 33? This is what it said. So he, this is a good Samaritan, came to where he was and he saw him. Now the priest had seen him, the Levite had seen him, but they didn't see him. There was something different about this guy. I think it's a different understood by kind of a hero to the faith to me. Last Sunday, a great man of God entered into his eternal reward. He was longtime pastor of First Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. His name was John Bassanio. Years ago, he wrote a book to, to pastors called Letters to Timothy. Just pastors, young pastors he was trying to mentor. One of the things I, I remember hearing as a young pastor that I constantly struggle with still is he would say, walk slowly 
through the crowds. He was saying it's easy to get so caught up on all that we have to do that sometimes you miss the things that are right in front of you. Some things that are needful even in that moment. He was saying make sure you see what's before you. So let me ask you that question today. Do do you see what's right around you? Remember the quote I gave you last week from Chuck Swindoll? It says, what you are determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. How I am is going to affect how I see the world. And how I see the world is definitely going to impact how I respond to the world around me. Now let me see if I can illustrate this in a physical illustration. Many of you know we have a five-year-old daughter who was born blind. She's completely visually impaired. The doctors say that she can't see anything, including light. We've noticed that she sees light. And so every day, including last night as we gathered as a family, we pray for her healing, if that be God's will. But in the meantime, she's learning to live life as a visually impaired child. And I've noticed something. When she looks at people, she doesn't know whether they're overweight or skinny. She doesn't see a skin tone. She doesn't notice whether they're wearing the most fashionable clothes. She doesn't know which side of the tracks they're coming from. No, don't get me wrong. She still struggles with some things. So be careful. If she sees you and she touches your skin, she may say you have old lady skin, whether you do or not. That's happened. And if we see you at Publix and and you're a smoker, just know this. If she hears your voice, she may say, what's wrong with your voice? That's happened. (laughs) But she doesn't look at people based on outward appearance. How about you? How do you see the people around you? How do you navigate life with an awareness of what's going on? Who are you? What are you? Are you becoming love? See, when you're becoming love, you begin to see through God's loving eyes. And God wants you to become love. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now... We continue with our message. Ask this question. How is the way that I'm seeing the world around me making a difference in my corner of the world? How is it affecting the responses that I give to the people that I see? And if I'm not seeing them, what is keeping me from seeing the world around me and acting in the way that I should? Have I become spiritually 
blinded to what God wants me to see. So let's get back to the story. These were the religious people. At the beginning of the story, the priest and the Levite. Now, if Jesus were telling this story today at a church of Christians, he would have probably said there was a pastor and a deacon. That's what's being described. This priest was at the top of the food chain in the religious circle. In fact, he would have had spent his entire week, most likely, working. He just wanted to go home. And the Levite would have been no different. A little lesser in some of the responsibilities than the priest as a descendant of Levi instead of Aaron. But he too was the best of the best when it came to religion. And yet they didn't see what God wanted them to see. Why not? Can I give you some reasons that may have been legitimate? I think they could have been afraid. Did you know that fear can keep us from seeing people the way God wants us to see people? Now, why would they have been afraid? They were on the bloody road. They were going from Jerusalem to Jericho where people were mugged all the time. They saw this guy and they wanted to stay away because what if the robbers, the thieves were waiting in the bushes? There could have been legitimate fears and sometimes our legitimate fears keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Can I remind you of something that is biblically true? Anytime you have fear of man and his actions, that is a sinful feeling in your life. We're supposed to have fear of God, a holy awe and reverence. But if fear of man and man's action is impacting what you do, there's sin. What are other reasons? There could have been prejudice. They look over at this guy. He wasn't like them. Hey, what do we say today? They must have done something to cause them to get into those circumstances. So they looked at them differently. How about busyness? Our life is crazy. We've got five children, two dogs and a cat. I mean, our world spins fast. We're chasing somebody or something around all the time. Is anybody else ever busy? And we spend our life staying busy. I don't think it used to be this way. My parents and I talk about it all the time. Uh, They are great parents and they raised two boys, but they look at our lives. So do Kimberly's parents. And they say, I'm just telling you, our lives were never busy like this. And so sometimes our busyness keeps us from seeing what God wants us to see. Maybe it's even religion. At least the priest would have been by religion bound to stay away from a dead person. Because scripturally it was believed that that could contaminate his holiness. And so he could have used his religiosity as an excuse in the moment. Have you ever done that? You're so proud of who you are and what you do that you're going to stay away from those that aren't like you. You use your religion to keep you from seeing people the way that Jesus saw people. The weird thing is, we're certainly not getting that from Jesus. Because Jesus hung out with drunkards 
and hookers and criminals. So much so that in his dying breath on the cross of Calvary, he turns to criminals and he offers them the grace and the forgiveness that only he could give. But I think maybe the one I can relate to is weariness. This priest and this Levite, as I mentioned, they may have been coming at the end of a long week. Maybe they were working at the temple, but their home was in Jericho at the end of that journey. They just wanted to go home. They just wanted to get away. In fact, we've been working for the Lord and we're tired. But at the end of the day, they avoided the opportunity that God had put before them. Whatever the reason, no matter how valid, they didn't see what Jesus wanted them to see. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are going to be like Jesus, we must learn to see people through the same lens that God sees people. The Bible's full of examples of this. Can I just give you a few? Sure, Pastor. Matthew 9, 36. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mark 10, 21. And Jesus, looking, seeing him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them. He saw them and he said, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I love this example that's repeated over and over again in scripture, Luke 6, 10. And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. When Jesus saw, sometimes it just resulted in compassion. Sometimes it resulted in a call of conviction. Sometimes it it resulted in just the promise of potential. Other times it it resulted in complete healing and restoration. But when Jesus saw people, it changed things. And what I want you to understand is if you want to be a good neighbor, when you begin to see people the way Jesus sees people, it will change things in your little corner of the world and this world in which we live. Are you seeing the people around you as Jesus saw people? Those who are lonely, those who are different, those who are left out, Those who are depressed. Those who are lost. Those who are down in the pit. So God taught me something yesterday. One, he taught me that my faith was kind of small because I would have had no idea that we would have had a hundred people that showed up on a Saturday morning to come out just to go and share their faith in Jesus. But that's exactly what happened. 
But then he taught me that my faith was small in another area because I knew the plan and I really wasn't a fan of the plan. And the plan was, we weren't coming to your address. We weren't going out into our neighborhoods and knocking on doors. We were just gonna challenge the people to go find people to pray with and potentially share the gospel of Jesus with. And to me, that was a weird plan. What do you mean, just go look for people? But that's what we did, 30 teams worth, and that's what my team did yesterday, and we found some people right here at the laundromat that we just wanted to pray with, and they were both so receptive to those times of prayer. But I want to tell you about another team. It was a team that was going to University Mall. That was one of the places we told folks they could go, because at least there were people there. And so some of our teams went and they prayed with people in the parking lot. Some people walked around the mall and prayed with people. But this one team was on their way to University Mall and someone in the car said, you know, before we get to the mall, we should be looking for where people might be on the sides of the road because there are always people, we just don't see them. And sure enough, someone in the car said, there's a guy right there. They said, well, let's go see if he'll talk to us. And, And so they went and they began to talk to this guy and sure enough, he was depressed. He was discouraged. He had been down in the pit. He felt lonely and and he was lost. And so they asked him, is there a way we could pray for you? And that's kind of the first question we ask people. It's not about religion. It's not about any kind of manipulation. It's just, hey, is there anything going on in your life? Any way we can pray for you today? We just want to pray for you. And so that's exactly what they did. And he said, sure, you can pray for me. And he was in a tough place. And they began to pray. And then after they prayed, they did what we had been trained just in about a 20 minute training to do. They took off this wristband and they said, hey, do you mind if we give you this just as a reminder of this time of prayer? And he said, sure. And as he began to put it on, they said, you mind if we tell you what these colors on this band mean? And he said, sure. And so they, they took out a little New Testament that they also had that had those same colors in it. And they just read from the New Testament some, some verses that are marked on this band, just verses that walk through the gospel. That too just took about 90 seconds to two minutes. And they asked this man if, if, if he thought he could have that kind of relationship with God. And he initially said, no. Because I have to be righteous and I'm not going to be righteous. I have to do these things that the Bible says that I'm not going to do this. So they went back to one of the verses they had read, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, where it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of yourself, not of your work, because then you'd go around boasting about it. And and after spending some time with with him, they, they said, is that something you would want today? And he said, yeah. And there on the side of the road, on the way to University Mall, just some folks who were obedient on a Saturday morning were able to welcome a new brother into the family of God. We're able to see a person answer that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They were able to see someone begin a life change. See, when you begin to see the people around you, the doors of opportunity open in big ways. One of my favorite quotes, I don't know who originated this. I heard it first from a man named Ike Reichard, but he says, the great big doors of opportunity swing on the tiny hinges of obedience. And when we are obedient in the small ways, God opens all kinds of opportunity. What I want you to understand is when you see people the way God sees people, it gives you many different ways 
to say I love you. And remember, we're becoming love, right? So Dr. Rogers started in the 1960s in the middle of huge racial divides. And early in his program, when it was still black and white, he had this show where he brought on Officer Clemens. And Officer Clemens was an African-American man. And uh, there was a great episode where he took out this little pool in the backyard in a time where the whole nation was talking about segregation and who could swim where, who could go to school where. He, he shared a little backyard foot resting pool with Officer Clemens. Those are the kind of things he taught week in and week out for many, many years. About 20 years later, Officer Clemens, who was a regular character on the show, came back and they revisited that moment and they talked about the many different ways you can say and show, I love you. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.